Funding for Here and Now Anytime comes from MathWorks, creators of MATLAB and Simulink software, accelerating the pace of engineering and science. Learn more at MathWorks.com. Hi, this is Here and Now Anytime, where we give you a little news, a little something you weren't expecting, and always a fresh, in-depth perspective on current events, arts and culture, and stories that matter. Subscribe or follow to get all our episodes out every weekday. And if you like what you hear, tell a friend about us to help spread the word. Now here's the show. It is quite miraculous that everyone was able to get off of the plane. The plane burst into flames and it was quite a shocking moment. More on that fiery crash in Japan and how airport workers saved everyone on board a passenger jet that erupted in flames. It's Tuesday, January 2nd, and this is Here and Now Anytime from NPR and WBUR Boston. I'm Chris Bentley. Hey, Happy New Year. Welcome back to work, maybe. Don't worry, you'll get through it. Today on the show, we'll get the latest from Israel where the country's Supreme Court struck down a key part of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's plan to weaken that country's judiciary. And if your New Year's resolution involves drinking less, here's some additional motivation. Reducing or eliminating alcohol consumption decreases the risk of developing certain types of cancers, according to some new research. In 2020, there were about 170,000 new cancer cases worldwide attributed to alcohol consumption. And over half of that was thought to be breast cancer. Yeah, not the news I wanted to hear on January 2nd either. But anyway, to Tokyo, where a Japan Airlines jet was attempting to land at Haneda Airport today when it collided with a Coast Guard aircraft that was on its way to western Japan to provide earthquake relief. Five people on the Coast Guard plane died. But all 379 passengers on the bigger plane survived. On one hand, more shocking news in a country that was rattled by the 7.6 magnitude earthquake yesterday. On the other hand, a story of airport workers and safety regulations preventing a much bigger disaster. Michelle Yeh-Healy is the Tokyo bureau chief for the Washington Post, and she told Robin Young that while everyone on the passenger jet survived, there were some injuries. Yes, more than a dozen people so far have been injured and they have been taken to the hospital. There are no deaths confirmed so far. It is quite miraculous that everyone was able to get off of the plane. I was actually at Haneda Airport when the runway shut down and the plane burst into flames and it was quite a shocking moment. Wait, you saw this? I was actually landing at the airport myself. I didn't see the plane, but I saw the chaos after when everything shut down and all the planes were grounded. No one was leaving or coming to Haneda Airport for the night. To see these images, as I'm sure you now have, and you saw the chaos around it, this plane in flames that it was trailing as it tried to taxi to a stop after this collision with the Coast Guard plane. It is astonishing that people got off the plane. We're also now seeing videos that people took on their cell phones inside the plane. It's filled with smoke. We know you have about 90 seconds to get off. Talk about what people are saying about what you came so close to, the work of this crew to get these people off. 
It's remarkable how much speed and order there was in the deplaning of this passenger plane. I mean, the fire trucks came immediately. They were still putting out flames for hours after people had deplaned. And it is quite remarkable that almost 400 people were able to deplane so quickly. Mm. We're hearing from experts who say when they tell you, leave your belongings, this is exactly what they mean, (laughs) you know, because everybody did. There were children that they were able to get out of seatbelts and get off. And again, it was 367 passengers, but 12 crew members who we're hearing remarkable things about. But do we know what happened? Why was a Coast Guard plane in the path of a passenger plane? It's all under investigation now. I mean, there are going to be many questions to be answered here. But what I keep thinking about is how these Coast Guard members were actually heading to the western part of Japan to deliver aid because of the devastating earthquake where so many buildings and homes have been burned to the ground. They're lacking aid. They're lacking supplies and asking for a lot of help. And the Coast Guard members were responding to that. And they were en route to that area. And And in some ways, this may not have happened if the earthquake hadn't happened. So it's Mm. been a very devastating two days here in Japan. Yeah, no kidding. And staying with the earthquake for a second, yesterday there were just a few deaths, thankfully, but that number's risen. What is the death toll now? And is this largely people who were trapped in homes that collapsed? The death toll is actually still rising. It's surpassed dozens of people so far. And we're going to be looking out for more casualties possibly being reported over the next few days because rescue crews are still pulling people out from under the rubble. We're seeing social media postings from people whose family members are trapped under the rubble of collapsed buildings and burned homes. So the Japanese military is sending aid and sending personnel there to try to rescue people as quickly as possible. But these people who are being confirmed dead, many of them are being pulled from under the destruction. And thankfully, there wasn't the, you know, major tsunami that there had been warnings about earlier in the morning. But there was a minor tsunami, you know, a wave that we watched roll in that had a lot of power as well. There was a minor tsunami, and as of today, all the tsunami warnings related to the initial earthquake have been lifted, but the Japanese meteorological agency's officials are warning that more earthquakes with potentially similar seismic intensities could hit the same areas in the next few days or so. That could also trigger potential tsunamis, so we're all watching and making sure that we're taking it day by day because many, many afterquakes are still coming into that area. Mm. Michelle Yehili, uh, Tokyo Bureau Chief for our Editorial Partners at The Washington Post. Thank you so much for speaking to us, given that just a few hours ago, you were on one of the planes that was the last to land at Tokyo's Haneda Airport as a runway collision had just happened underneath you, and you witnessed that chaos as you were landing. What a, an experience for you. So thank you so much for speaking with us. Thank you for having me. Coming up next, an update from Israel, where a political power struggle is playing out as the country's right-wing government says it'll continue its assault on Gaza throughout 2024. Scott Tong has more after the break. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Humana. Your employees are more than your coworkers. They're the heartbeat of your business. 
That's why Humana offers modern group benefits designed to protect employees and their families with dental, vision, life, and disability coverage. Humana knows every employee and every business is unique. That's why they listen to your needs and build plans with you and your team in mind. That's the power of human care. This episode's sponsor is PwC, which offers the following message. A robot may not be coming for your job, but competitors are coming for your market share. PwC pairs the right tech with the right solutions to help you gain a competitive edge. Reimagine operations from the cloud, fuel innovation with responsible AI, and detect risks before they become headlines. Human-led and tech-powered, it's all part of the new equation from PwC. Hamas confirms that one of its leaders was killed by an Israeli military attack in Lebanon. This is an escalation in the regional conflict. It comes as Israel's new foreign minister says the country is, quote, at the height of World War III against Iran and radical Islam. To update us, NPR's Daniel Estrin is on the line from Tel Aviv. Hi, Daniel. Hi there. Uh, Daniel, Hamas, of course, controls Gaza on the southern side of Israel. Now comes this attack to the north, Israel's military targeting Hamas officials in Lebanon. What do we know about what happened? Well, Lebanese official state media say that this was an Israeli drone that carried out this blast. It was a blast that killed four people in the environs of Beirut. And uh, and Hamas does cl- uh, confirm that its top one of its top leaders, Saleh Aruri, a very senior Hamas leader, was killed in this blast. Yeah, and, and tell us a little bit more uh, about this leader. Uh, how important uh, he was. He was the number two of Hamas's political wing. He was one of the founders of Hamas's military wing. Uh, Truly one of the top leaders of Hamas. Uh, Israel had accused him of being in charge of Hamas militant activity in the West Bank, trying to reinvigorate the militant wing there and for Hamas to be active not only in Gaza but also in the West Bank. Um, Israel accused him of strengthening Hamas's ties with Iran. And uh, now the former Israeli ambassador to the United Nations, currently a lawmaker from Netanyahu, uh, from Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's party, uh, has congratulated Israel's security forces on the assassination, uh, accusing him of helping organize Hamas's deadly October 7th attack on Israel. Yeah. Daniel, is there concern this event could, could spill into a broader regional war. We, of course, know uh, there are Hezbollah militants in Lebanon. We're going to have to see. Hezbollah's leader, Hassan Nasrallah, has vowed to attack Israel if any Palestinian leaders in Lebanon, where he's based, uh, are attacked. We will have to see if this represents a turning point in this war. Uh, Could it escalate Hezbollah rocket fire onto Israel or or Hamas rocket fire? Israel will have to see whether it uh, considers this to be a big accomplishment. Um, Israel has been looking for uh, a way to declare victory against Hamas. Uh, Israel's goal is to destroy Hamas's capabilities in Gaza. Uh, And Israeli officials have said that one of the signs of victory that they will be looking for in this war is destroying uh, or capturing or killing some of the top leaders. And this was one of them. Mm. Daniel, 
you know, before the Hamas attack on October 7th, you were covering in Israel nationwide protests against a judicial overhaul that was pushed by the government of uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu. Now the country's Supreme Court has struck down that law. Remind us what the law would have done and what the court ruled. This was a law that would have curtailed some of the Supreme Court's own powers to overturn government decisions in Israel, Uh, government decisions that the court deemed to be unreasonable. For instance, um, Netanyahu appointing a finance minister who was a tax evader. This actually did happen and the court um, declared that to be unreasonable and the law sought to take away that power from the court. This was Netanyahu's signature legislation, uh, part of a judicial overhaul trying to uh, weaken the powers of of the court in Israel. Uh, The right wing in Israel accuses the court of of overreach and says that the elected leaders, Israel's most right wing government in history, should be the ones to make the final final decisions in Israel and not not the court. But this issue of, of curtailing the powers of the court brought out uh, hundreds of thousands of Israeli protesters in the streets last year, uh, people who were fearing that this law would weaken democracy, and now the court has overturned it. Yeah. What does this mean for Netanyahu's government and its support? His justice minister has said he still wants to pursue this judicial overhaul, perhaps when the, the war is over, as he put it. Well, Israeli officials have signaled that they do not want to uh, re-legislate or, or try to advance uh, the judicial overhaul at a time of war. Um, this is a nod to the fact that the Israeli public really um, found this deeply – this was a very deeply unpopular um, initiative in Israel and, and the, the government has mm-hmm. lost, according to polls, about a third or a fourth of its support. I spoke today with an Israeli – uh, human rights activist, Noah Satat. She heads the Association for Civil Rights in Israel, and she welcomed the court's decision, especially at this time of war. She said it would keep the court's abilities to oversee the government at this time. Take a listen. I think that we know that the fight to protect human rights after the war and during the war is going to be very intense. And we need all the tools at our disposal. And the fact that we were able to protect this specific tool is very important. And she's referring to the, the the potential for the right-wing government in Israel to try to enact policies, especially after the war in Gaza, policies that the, the court might deem unreasonable, and now the court can continue to, to intervene. All right. That is NPR international correspondent Daniel Estrin joining us from Tel Aviv. Daniel, thank you as always. Thank you, Scott. We've got one more story for you today about new research into the carcinogenic effects of alcohol. Don't beat yourself up if you were overserved on New Year's Eve. But if you're looking to cut back, maybe this will give you some more motivation. Scott picks it up when we return. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Viore. 
Jump into a new perspective on performance apparel. Viore makes products that stand the test of time and hope to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Empowering your best life in clothing that can be worn for just about any activity from running to yoga. Visit viore.com NPR to receive 20% off your first purchase and enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. Discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Support for NPR and the following message come from Betterment, an automated investing and savings app. CEO Sarah Levy shares why Betterment believes cash can be a strategic choice. There are times when the market is volatile, when customers are a little nervous about investing. We came to understand that there was an opportunity to introduce cash as part of an investing strategy and to give back yields to the customer. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Bluehost. Try Bluehost Cloud, the hosting plan made for WordPress creators by WordPress experts. With 100% uptime, fast load times, and 24-7 support, your sites can handle high traffic spikes. Visit bluehost.com. So how is your day two of a dry January going? If your New Year's resolution involves drinking less or drinking zero, well, here are some additional potential motivation. A new study from the International Agency for Research on Cancer says reducing or eliminating alcohol consumption cuts the risk of developing certain cancers. Angus Chen is cancer reporter with our editorial partners at STAT, the health and medicine publication, and he's back. Hi, Angus. Hi, Scott. This is one of those studies that analyzes a bunch of existing studies, and we got in touch with the lead author, Dr. Sue Gapster. Here's what she says. Based on the relevant studies published to date, the working group concluded that there's sufficient evidence that, compared with continuing consumption, reduction or cessation of alcohol consumption reduces the risk of oral and esophageal cancers. Okay, so help us kind of understand uh, what she's saying here. That is, if you stop drinking or if you drink less, researchers found the risk of these cancers go down. Do they go down by a lot? Yeah, it went down quite significantly, I would say. For oral cancers, if you stopped drinking alcohol for five to nine years, that was linked to a 34 relative risk reduction. So 34 risk reduction compared to people who continue to drink for this cancer. The longer you stop drinking, the greater that risk reduction is. And that was also true for esophageal cancers. The research also showed the more you cut, the greater your benefit is. So if you were drinking like three or more drinks per day, cutting out mm. alcohol would give you a bigger benefit than someone who's you know, just drinking one to two drinks per day and then cut that out. And how does alcohol cause these cancers, esophagus cancer, oral cancers? Do we know? Yeah. So the main way that we think that alcohol causes cancer is when you drink it, it very quickly metabolizes to a compound called acetaldehyde in your body. Acetaldehyde is a pretty potent toxic compound that can cause DNA damage and that can later on cause cancer. There are some other factors as well that can that people think are linked to cancer with, as related to alcohol. One is through the changes in levels of sex hormones in the body, and that can also alter the risk of breast cancer. That's actually pretty big. I think in 2020, there were about 170,000 new cancer cases worldwide attributed to alcohol consumption, and wow. over half of that was thought to be breast cancer. Yeah. So 
several things that researchers think is going on. Scientists have known for a while that stopping smoking can cut cancer risk. Do they think perhaps that cutting alcohol consumption might work the same way? Yeah, I mean, I think alcohol and smoking can both cause cancer through your exposure to toxic compounds or harmful compounds. And reducing your exposure to those compounds is likely to also reduce your risk of developing associated cancers. You know, one interesting thing about smoking and alcohol is that they work in a sort of synergistic way when it comes to your cancer risk. Smoking can change the levels of certain bacteria in your gastrointestinal tract, which metabolizes alcohol to this toxic compound, acetaldehyde. And so you end up finding that smokers who drink end up with more levels of this compound in their body than people who drink but don't smoke. I see. So just backing up, Angus, what about the whole thing about red wine being good for you if you drink a little bit every day? Is that a myth? How does that fit into this? Yeah, so this is a belief that's really persisted for many decades, and it started from some research done in the 1980s that was trying to understand why people in France or people on a Mediterranean diet had such low levels of heart disease. And some researchers at the time pointed to compounds in red wine called polyphenols that they thought could help uh, your heart health. The problem is that even though that was shown to be, um, there's some evidence for that in mice, it hasn't been shown for humans. And the other thing is that some of these early studies were confounded by other factors, lifestyle and dietary factors that might account for that cardiovascular benefit. So people on a Mediterranean diet, you know, they eat a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables. They may also have a more active lifestyle. So now experts look at this belief and they don't think there's strong evidence for it. Mm -hmm. and, and Angus, you know, alcohol is so infused into modern life. I mean, how many times are we asked, you know, what can I get you to drink, right? <laughs> for people seeking to scale back this January and beyond, what does the evidence tell us works? Yeah, I mean, I think the evidence suggests some of the best ways to avoid alcohol consumption is to really set healthy habits around not drinking. One way you might do that is setting a drinking goal. So like decide how much you want to drink per week and try to stick to that limit. Another thing you could try to do is not keep alcohol in the house so that you're not drinking at home. You know, you can just sort of drink moderately if you're going out to a social setting or social event. You know, you can practice politely refusing alcohol if that's difficult for you. And finally, I think an important thing is if you wanted some help with this, you can ask the people around you for support. I think if you are hoping to try to cut alcohol or you know someone who is trying to cut alcohol, sort of being mm. that person saying, hey, let me help you do this, or maybe let's just have one drink and not go beyond that. It's something that we can all do for each other. Yeah. Angus Chen is cancer reporter with our editorial partners at STAT, the health and medicine publication. Angus, thanks again. Thanks, Scott. That's our show. It comes from the team behind Here and Now from NPR and WBUR Boston. Today's stories were produced by Thomas Danielian, James Marino, and Gabrielle Healy. Today's editors were Julia Corcoran, Peter O'Dowd, and Micaela Rodriguez. Technical direction from Caleb Green and Patrick O'Connor. Our theme music is by Mike Moschetto, Max Liebman, and me, Chris Bentley. Our digital producers are Allison Hagen and Grace Griffin, and the executive producer of Here and Now is Carlene Watson. Thanks to Shirley Jihad for filling in while I was out. And as always, thanks to you for listening. 
your New Year's off to a refreshing start. Either way, we'll be back with you tomorrow. This message comes from NPR sponsor E-Trade from Morgan Stanley. Take control of your financial future with E-Trade. No matter what kind of investor you are, their tools and resources can help you be ready for what's next. Now when you open an account, you can get up to $1,000 with a qualifying deposit. Terms apply. Learn more at etrade.com slash NPR. Investing involves risks. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC. Member SIPC. E-Trade is a business of Morgan Stanley. This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts.